this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Amen. Well, we're going to be again in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. For the Romans and the Jews, the resurrection was countercultural. Everything about it, from the nature of humility that it took going through the cross to get to, the, to, the, to this resurrection, from the nature of love, expending oneself for another, all these things didn't make sense, especially the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. You see, in Jewish world, sinners were either cast out, made a sacrifice for, or they were killed. It wasn't, what, three chapters later that there are going to be people killed because of so-called sin of preaching Jesus Christ. It was commonplace for things like this to happen in the early church from Jews and Romans because Jesus Christ was countercultural. Him and his church, the early church following after him, was absolutely absurd to the world. So you have Romans who believe that pride is the epitome. It's the highest virtue. It's everything against humility. It's let me accomplish everything I can, boost myself up, and then I'm going to boast to everyone else in what I've accomplished. That is not my Savior. My Savior came and took a cross that we might be lifted up from sin into life, from death into life. The greatest picture that could ever be portrayed in Jesus Christ is the baptism from death into life because he gave up his life and took upon himself death. It is counter-cultural. And I think what happens is a lot of times when we don't understand something, we're afraid of it, right? Like if we can't capture it in this box and understand it and write it out and just say, okay, this makes sense and this doesn't. And and if all these things don't match up, we kind of look at it and we go, okay, this is weird. This is different. And it often generates in us a fear of it, a lack of understanding or a lack of consistency or a lack of just clarity in our minds leads often to fear. And so the world feared Jesus The world feared what Jesus would do, and the world feared what Jesus' followers would do, and oftentimes that led to their death. This morning, I hope and I pray that you will see Jesus fresh, that you will see him alive and working in you and through you and through this church and through other people in this community and county and world. I pray that you would see God fresh, whether you are in a valley or on a mountaintop whether you feel like you're in a struggling season or you feel like you're thriving. No matter where you are, I pray that you will see God fresh in your moment, in your season, in your life. I pray that you will see God. And I ask you of this as you walk away, remember this statement, be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful to Jesus. This is my main point for you this morning. I want you to be able to remember this. If you wake up in the morning, if, I, if somebody shakes you awake in the morning, hopefully it's not me, I'm not gonna break into your house. If someone wakes you up in the morning and says, what was the main point? I want you to be able to walk away knowing, be faithful to Jesus. Acts chapter four, verses one through 22. Let's walk through it together. 
It will also be on the screen as well. While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they, that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. I mean, I mean just in this moment, like you see the, a couple different words happening in this place. You see, first of all, it kind of reminds you of those guys who crucified Jesus. Okay, so we're there. These are the guys that just a couple months later, uh, before, killed Jesus, and now they're surrounding people who are preaching Jesus, and they're annoyed. And look at what they do. It says, so they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. So they arrest them. Why? They're annoyed. What if we lived in a culture where when we got annoyed at each other, we just threw each other in jail? There would be no children anywhere, right? All your parents are like, man, my children drive me crazy sometimes. Like, just throw them in jail. Like, that's not what we do in our culture, right? But these guys got annoyed at the disciples, and so they took them into custody until the next day. So you see a couple things in there. One, like, jail cells, not nice back then, not, not good, not fed, not well-fed, like, not taken care of. All these bad things uh, take place in these. It's just, it's just not good, okay? But they're there for a day, why? I think it comes back to pride, right? You see, Jesus is countercultural. The disciples are willing to humble themselves and go to a jail while these chief priests and all these people don't want them to preach. Why? Because they have pride, because what they have gained and what they have earned and what they have worked for and what they want is at risk because of these disciples. Verse 4. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Don't you, I mean, don't you love that? Like, I think uh, Christianity thrives in the imprisonment seasons and collapses in complacency. I think we oftentimes think it's flipped. It's like, if it's just easier, if it was just better, if it was just, we had this, whatever we need, if we had this or had this or had this, it would just be so much more easy to preach Jesus. It's oftentimes when people are in the most difficult seasons of life that they cling to Jesus and preach Jesus, not when they're on the mountaintops, but when they're in the valleys. And I think the challenge is this, not to aspire to be on the mountaintop or not to just sulk in the, in the valley, but to be faithful no matter where you are. Be faithful no matter where you are. If you're in the jail cell or if you're in front of 5,000 people preaching the gospel message, you be faithful no matter where you are. I think the disciples had learned this. I think everything that takes place here goes back to what they've learned from Jesus. If you think in your mind about this, when the, before, the, before the prayer, before they were going to the cross, before they saw their Savior on a cross, these guys, these disciples, these people that followed after Jesus were on the mountaintop. Man, they, they saw it coming, right? They saw miracles taking place. They saw thousands of people following Jesus. They saw it coming. Like, man, it's here. The kingdom of God is here. We're about to, man, we're about to be seated on the throne with Jesus. Like, it is coming to the earth. They knew what the mountaintop was like and they knew what the valley was like when their Savior died on a cross. And they were left with nothing but people following after them to kill them. They know what the valley is like because they took the jail, and they know what the mountaintop is like because they watched Jesus calm the sea. So brothers and sisters, be faithful, whether you're in the valley or in the mountain, whether you're in a prison cell or thriving in your business. Be faithful. Be faithful.
says in verse 4, but many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000, which means because they didn't count women and children, somewhere around 10 to 15,000 people are following after Jesus. You can see them getting more and more annoyed at these people following after Jesus. It says in verse 5, the next day their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem. With Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. If you have never engaged God's word, if you haven't been in church for a while, that's cool. Let me, let me tell you who these people are. These are the people that killed Jesus, right? These are the people that killed this guy named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And now, these guys who are preaching, telling others about Jesus, are standing in front of them. Not long after Jesus has been crucified, these guys are standing in front of the guys who crucified Jesus, and they're going to account for why they're preaching that man whom they crucified. Like, take all that together, right? Jail cell, no food, stressful situation, just preached and thousands followed after them, and now they're in the jail cell. Now they're being brought up. They're going to be questioned in front of them, in front of the people that killed Jesus. And it says in verse 7, after they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. And notice their question, by what power or in what name have you done this? There's two questions there. What power, what name? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, and man, you all look at take something other than yourself to stand up in front of someone who wants to kill you. It takes something other than yourself to be faithful in the midst of a valley. And it takes somebody other than yourself to be faithful on a mountaintop. We need, we need Jesus. And I believe that you need the Holy Spirit, man. Sometimes in seasons of difficulty, you may face seasons of difficulty in your life, and you're like, man, I don't know how to stay faithful today. I don't know how to love my wife today. I don't know how to be faithful to my friends today. I don't know how to be faithful to my job today. I don't know how to live the way I know I'm supposed to live today. And not coming from somebody who's perfect, but coming from somebody who struggles, I know that I have to cling to Jesus in order to be faithful today. And I think Peter and John, when they stood up, they didn't stand up alone. It says they stood up because the Holy Spirit filled them up. And it said, and they say to them, rulers of the people and elders, which is just, hey guys, you just killed uh, Jesus. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you something. Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means or by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of the Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you. By what name? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By what power? By Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. It's by him and his power. His name, his power saved this man. If you ask a question, sometimes you ask questions and you don't exactly get the, the direct answer. Have you ever done that? Like you ask somebody and you're like, hey, um, what are we doing tomorrow? And they're like, well, last week there was a situation out and you're like, no, 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 no. What are we doing tomorrow? You know what I'm talking about? All right. I think this passage is like 101 for families, okay? You're going to see a lot of stuff in here. But in all seriousness, they asked him, what power and what name? Jesus Christ. I love that answer. You, like, you expect, you got to expect something different. You know, they, they say the definition, I think Bill mentioned this too last week. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Is that right? Something like that. These guys, you got to know, at some point they were like, hey, John, 
if you say Jesus, they're going to kill you. And for like 90% of the world today, that still stands true. 100 to 200,000 Christians are killed every year. Brothers and sisters stand in front of people today and say they love Jesus Christ and are killed because of it. Peter and John stood up boldly and said it's by Jesus Christ, by his name and his power that this man was saved. And look, look, look what they say, verse 11. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Man, this is a play right out of Jesus' playbook. These guys have followed Jesus. These disciples have followed after Jesus. They know what Jesus would do with, the, with these uh, religious leaders. And the religious leaders were always coming up to Jesus, and they're like, uh, they see him do a miracle, and they're like, what power have you done that by? And they'd say, oh, man, this, this guy's filled, by, uh, filled up by Satan. Or this guy's, he's doing stuff on the Sabbath, on the day you're supposed to rest. He's, he's, not, he's evil. He's not good. They would, they would try to twist all these things that Jesus did, and Jesus would question them right back. I love verse 11. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. You know what that is? That's a, that's a quote from the Old Testament, right? And these guys who are questioning them, they're the ones who professionally studied the, New Te- the Old Testament. They knew it backwards and forwards. They could preach it. They could live it. They could tell you how to live it. They knew the Old Testament. And so Peter flips it says, hey, you guys, we saved a man by Jesus' name. You killed a man because of his name. Man, how, how bold do you have to be to stand up and do that? I'm telling you something. When you're in a valley, when you're in the jail, you don't preach like that unless the Holy Spirit's in you. And brothers and sisters, you don't live a faithful life unless Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in you. So they say, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. That right there is an affront to the culture. The Jews standing in front of them probably would have collapsed and repented in the moment because of this. The whole Old Testament says that only by the name of this guy named Yahweh, this God Yahweh, only by Yahweh can you be saved. So for what they're saying right here, what the disciples are saying right here is this, Jesus is God. That's what they're saying. They're saying, yes, no one can be saved other than by God and by Jesus Christ, this man was saved and so are we. Later, they're going to say, we don't preach except for from what we've seen and what we've heard. They'd experienced Jesus Christ. They knew who he was. They walked with him. They saw what he did. They saw a dead man raised to life. And because of it, they're like, that's my king. That's my savior. And ultimately, that's my God. Church, if you aren't celebrating today, exciting today, Brothers and sisters, I want you to know something. In the midst of your valley, in the midst of the jail cell, in the midst of your imprisonment, in the midst of your most difficult season of life, Jesus is there. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved other than Jesus Christ.
I told somebody today, the, the biggest difference between Christianity and any other religion in the world is this. Every religion in the world says that you must climb the mountain to get to Jesus. But in Christianity, Jesus came down the mountain to us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because my God is for me and my God is with me. And my God is not on the mountaintop. He's in the valley with me. Amen? I mean, come on, church. We are a people in the valley and our God has come into the valley with us and walked with us through the valley and raised up to the mountain. And he said, come with me. Like that's our pursuit of Jesus. We are, we are the most blessed people in the world that our discipleship, our following after our God means this. Let's go up the mountain together. We're going to find the peak and we're going to find perfection. We're going to find greatness. We're going to find life. We're going to find love. We're going to find everything that we've ever desired in a place that we call heaven. There is salvation in no one else other than Jesus Christ because there's no way you can get to the top of the mountain. We needed Jesus to come down to us. And so they say there's salvation in no one else. Verse 13, when they observed the boldness, this is the religious leaders. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that there were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Come on, right? Like that, I pray that our church is known by that statement right there. That people are like, man, I don't know what's going on at Westminster Baptist Church. I don't know what's going on with those people, but they've been with Jesus, right? Like, I don't know what's happening to them, but they've been with Jesus. And I'm not necessarily saying the uneducated and untrained part, but... I'm just saying, <laughs> gotta be careful there. I'm just saying, what happens here is they recognize, and man, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you know about the Bible, no matter how far you've studied and where, what, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter where Peter and John were. What, what mattered? They'd been with Jesus. That's all that mattered. They'd been with Jesus when he made a paralyzed man walk. They'd been with Jesus when he calmed the sea. They'd been with Jesus when he fed thousands of people. They'd been with Jesus. When we walk out of these doors every single Sunday, the people out in the world should go, whoa, whoa, whoa. what's wrong with you? We've been with Jesus. <laughs> Verse 14 and since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Like, these people have been with Jesus. The person they healed is with them in front of us, and they're saying they did it by Jesus' name. What can we do? Verse 17, but so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. And you know, I kind of like that passage. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I think that verse is kind of cool because of this. You can't stop what God does. Unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan in an unstoppable church. Like you can't stop what God does, right? The church has, people have tried to stop the church since its beginning, the Romans burned every Bible they could find. And we still had more Bibles than any writer of the day. They could not stop Christianity. 
They tried to kill him. They tried to make it where they couldn't survive financially. Everything was done to kill the Christians, and they couldn't stop it because we have an unstoppable God. You cannot stop what God does. Here's what you can do. You can stop the people from talking about it. You can make people complacent. You can put people on a mountaintop and they start thinking, I'm good up here. I don't need to talk about that Jesus that came down to me when I was in my valley. Right? You see, it's often that we don't preach from the mountaintops, but we just cry out in the valleys. But brothers and sisters, if you've come out of that valley, it's time to preach. And if you're in that valley, it's time to share that Jesus Christ is there with you. The worst thing we can do is to shut up when Christ has done something. The worst thing we can do is let these guys win when they say, let's threaten them. Not, not that God, we can stop what their God does. We can only stop that they share what their God has done, right? So verse 18, <laughs> like try to stop them from talking. Verse 18, so they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is what boldness looks like. This is what the Holy Spirit in you looks like. Peter and John answered them, verse 19, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. Man, if you're talking about Jesus' playbook, they've taken two plays out of it, and this is the second one, and it's awesome. What Jesus always would do is he like flip it back on them. Okay, so these religious leaders are like, you can't say anything. And the disciples come back at them, and they're like, should we follow man or follow God? And it's like, can't do anything, right? Because these religious leaders can't say, oh, uh, follow man. They can't. They can't say that. So they put them in a place where they literally cannot answer. They're like mute. So it says, well, it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God. What, what do you want us to do? You decide. Verse 20, for we are unable to stop speaking about what God, what we have seen and heard. We are unable to speak, stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know, sometimes in the valleys of life, we're not talking out of obedience or because somebody has told us to or somebody's paid us to or somebody wants to make us do something. Sometimes it's just like, man, I know what God has done and I'm just going to keep preaching. I saw what he did, heard what he did. I've seen what he's done in my life and I'm going to keep being faithful one step at a time, one step at a time. Not because it's easy, not because I want to, but because I've seen the glory of Jesus Christ working in and around me. I'm going to be faithful. Verse 21, after threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. For a culture where 35 to 40 years old was life expectancy, 40 years old was significant. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. What these people had done was a miracle. And because of that miracle, these guys are preaching from what they've seen and they heard. They preach Jesus Christ. And when they preach Jesus Christ, the people around them see it. And the religious leaders can't do anything. They can't do anything because all of the people agree. This Jesus Christ, we're following after him. You got 10,000 emirs out there saying, yeah, we'll follow Jesus. Yeah, we'll follow Jesus. Yeah, we'll follow Jesus. Yeah, we'll follow Jesus. And all of a sudden, the religious leader are like, what are we going to do? Everybody's following after them. Well, let's try to kill them. That's what they do. 
Let's try to kill them. So they start stoning Christians. They try to stop people, not by muting them, but by killing them. And they're faithful, and they're faithful, and they're faithful. Because imprisonment leads to preaching. A ban on speaking leads to speaking. The disciples are characterized by humility and the Holy Spirit. And the religious leaders, they're characterized by pride. What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? In life, in this, in this difficult life where we face trials of many kinds, where we face temptations, where we face struggles, where we face valleys, where we get to be on mountains and then we dive down into valleys, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Peter and John down in the valleys, saving people, loving people, caring for people? Or do you want to be these religious elite trying to climb up that mountain and yell back down in the valley? You can't do it. Silence. Go to jail. Stop preaching Jesus. I think sometimes the hardest part about being in a valley, and come on church, let me know. Sometimes the hardest part about being in a valley is we simply just want to raise up onto the mountain. Am I right? Like sometimes we look at the mountain, we're like in the valley, these difficult seasons, feel like we're in the pit. Like Joseph in the Old Testament, when he finds himself in the pit, he went from leading all of Egypt and being over all these things, and now he's thrown into jail. And you find yourself in the pit, you find yourself in the valley, you find yourself in a jail cell, and you're like, how do I get out? How do I get up this mountain? How do I climb up faster? How do I break free? What do I do to get out of here? I think the dangerous part there is, what if Jesus is there with you? And then all of a sudden it's this. How do I leave Jesus? How do I get away from my king? How do I abandon my savior when he's down there saving others? Brothers and sisters, be faithful. No matter where you are, we are not a people looking for the greener grass or the higher mountain. We are people who look for Jesus. Because it's better to be faithful in a valley than to be without Jesus on a mountain. Mm. May we be like Peter and John, bold, preaching the gospel and living faithful. Pastor Bill asked us a really good question last week. He said, are you ready? There's a follow-up to that. You see, many people have lived faithful lives, and, and I get to watch it. Man, I'm talking about in the first service, there, there are people who are, have been following Jesus since before I was born. I think that's awesome. I'm pretty sure there's people in that first service who've been following Jesus since before my parents were born. And that, to me, is unbelievable. I am blessed to be able to sit in there and listen and learn from people who have been following Jesus for longer than I, like, triple my life, right? Faithful and faithful and faithful. 
Because at one point they said, I'm going to believe in Jesus and I'm going to follow after him just like Amira did. Just like Emma will next week. <clears throat> just like you have at one point. I believe in Jesus. Well, what about the next day? Will you be faithful? And the next day, will you be faithful? Some people have chosen to be baptized. Some people have chosen to become a part of a mission of a church. Are you going to be faithful the next day? Some people have gone locally and globally. Are you going to go faithfully the next day and the next day and the next day? Some people have committed themselves to a marriage to be faithful to one and to the next day and to the next day, will you be faithful to that marriage and faithful to that marriage and faithful to that marriage and faithful to your kids and faithful to your kids and faithful and faithful and faithful. And the problem is we can't say faithful enough. Because day after day after day, we wake up, whether in the mountain or in a valley, we wake up and we have a decision to make. Am I going to be faithful today? And it's not an easy decision. Sometimes I wake up like real raw, honest before you. Sometimes I wake up and it's time for war. Like me and Jesus go into war through the day with Satan trying to stop me. Satan, Satan trying to stop the church. Satan trying to stop you. Satan trying to stop your family. Right? Come on, church. Are you fighting? Like, I think if we're not fighting, like I've said before, I think if we're not fighting, we're probably not following after Jesus. Because Satan doesn't like when we're doing what Christ has called us to do. Amen? So you wake up every morning and you fight. You fight and you fight and you fight. And that's what it looks like to be faithful is to say, I'm not just going to give up. I'm going to fight. That doesn't always look pretty. It's not always great conversations. It's not always roses. It's not always simple. It's not always uh, uh, what the world would say. Man, you just keep doing what you do. It's like Job's friends, right? They're like, maybe you should just curse God. Maybe you should stop falling after God. Curse God, just die, right? Sometimes we got the world pouring in us. Man, you got to stop doing what you're doing. Why are you following after Jesus when it's so difficult and so hard? Your life doesn't look so pretty. Fight. You better fight that. You better fight that. You better be faithful. You better make a decision every single morning that I'm not going to let the world tell me who I'm going to be. I'm going to let Jesus tell me who I'm going to be because I'm going to be faithful in the valley and I'm going to be faithful on the mountains. Just be faithful. I'm going to ask for the band to come up. We're going to, we're going to sing one more song, and this song is called The Goodness of God. And man, Psalm 23 that passage I've already mentioned, I don't know, I've preached three times. Sometimes I get jumbled up. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I probably told y'all two stories at once sometime. <laughs> but even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I've already said this. I know that. But this song, Jesus keeps running after me and running after me. When I'm in the valleys, when my enemies are before me, just like Peter and John with the religious leaders in front of him, Jesus keeps pursuing after me and keeps pursuing after me and keeps pursuing after me. And because of what I've seen and because of what I heard, I'm going to pursue him. And I'm asking you, will you too? Will you too? As we lead this song, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to think about this. Where are you in your life? 
like valley, mountain, difficulty, struggling in your marriage, struggling with your friendships, struggling with the temptation, wherever you are, I just want to ask you this question. Are you being faithful? Are you being faithful to what God has called you to do? Who God has called you to be? Are you being faithful? And like I said, and I'm going to close with this. And you will just close your eyes. And if you're comfortable with that, we're going to turn off lights, close your eyes. I just want you to be able to think about this because I, I need to. Even when it's not easy, even when it looks crazy around you, even when it looks like chaos, and even when the world thinks you are absolutely out of your mind, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? Let's pray. God, you are the one who sent your son to be faithful, to live a life I couldn't live, the perfect life, to die a death I couldn't die, and to raise from the dead because I couldn't. God, I believe we believe. We are your people. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody in this room that you would show up so fresh and real and powerfully and strong and mighty but tender and peaceful. God, would you show up in this church? We know you are here with us. I ask, Father, that you would reveal yourself to people fresh this morning. Would you open our eyes and our hearts? Would you help us to see what we struggle to see and to believe? Would you help us to hear what we've been so blinded to, so cutting out, so much noise in this world? Would you help us to hear? Would you help us to see? Would you help us to believe? Father, you are the God of love, and I ask, God, that you would help us to feel your love this morning. So, Father, we trust you. We believe in you. Help us to be faithful every step, every day, with every decision. Help us to be faithful. Father, we trust you in your son's name. Amen. If you are in this room. In this time, I'm just going to ask that you just take these moments. If you want to talk to one of our pastors, Pastor Glenn's here. We have some deacons who are going to be around the room. Maybe some ladies who can pray with you as well. If you just, man, if you want to, if you never believed in Jesus Christ and you want to know more about Jesus Christ, I really encourage you to go talk to somebody. Don't stay in your seat. Peter got up because the Holy Spirit was in him. I believe there's somebody in this room. There may be somebody in this room or somebody out there that needs to know Jesus Christ saved them. Jesus Christ is saving you. There may be somebody in this room who's never been baptized before, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We'd love to talk to you. Or maybe you want to join the mission of this church. You're not just joining a church. You're joining the mission because what we're doing is, is significant. I believe that God has given us a mission. So take this time to respond. Pastor Glenn will be over here, and deacons are around. Respond in whatever way God leads you.
Good name.
Amen. Hey, man, we are so thankful that you're here today. Again, if you uh, are interested in uh, learning more about WBC, come to Alpha. You can sign up outside. Talk to me. Love to talk to you. Remember, you're sent in the midst of darkness to light it up. Have a great week and pray for us at VBS. It's going to be an awesome time. We'll see you later. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.